0: Praise God. Well, get your Bibles out this morning, church. And if you would go to the book of Matthew, chapter 22. Praise the Lord. I want to read here a little bit this morning before we... uh, And so just follow with me here. I'm going to read this whole parable. You know, Jesus so many times spoke in parables. And, you know, you can kind of imagine, I, I, I like it. I like a story. I like something I can... Put my mind to wrap my mind around, it. so Jesus is always just sitting down telling parables. But before I read chapter twenty-two, you got to understand when you read the Bible. Chapter twenty-two, there was no chapters when the Bible was written. There was no chapters. No, you know, it, it's it, they just wrote it, but it was a good place to break it and give us verses to you know follow by. So chapter twenty-two actually flows back into chapter twenty-one and chapter twenty, and it all takes place when Jesus goes to. Uh, Jerusalem, and it's the same story of taking place where he cursed the fig tree, and then he went on into the, to the city, and everybody was uh, the singing praises, and then he goes to the temple and kicks over all the tables and runs everybody out. Well, then this is what's happening after all that took place. It could have been the second day that he came back into town, but it's in the same time period. So he's, the, the setting of, of Jesus telling this parable about Matthew chapter 22 is in the temple, and so in the temple, there was a certain group of people that were just hungry people that were just Jewish people in church. And there was other person, people that were the religious people that were mad at Jesus that really wanted him dead because they were, he was putting a kink in their way of doing things. Amen? So that kind of takes us in here. And So Jesus is telling the parables. It says that the, the people around, they love the parables. And the Pharisees, they didn't care too much for it because they wanted all this, you know, doctrine and theology and going back and pulling hair. But Jesus tells telling a parable. So he tells his story. So here's the story. And Jesus answered and spoke to them, saying, again, by parables, and said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. Now, everybody just say, the kingdom of heaven is like. The of heaven is like. Say it again. The kingdom of heaven is like. This whole parable we're going to read here, everything you're going to hear here, Jesus is saying, this is what heaven's like. Are you with me? So all the points in here, all the things he's saying, he said, heaven operates like this. So he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. He sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and the fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and they went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. So he sent out his armies, And destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said to the servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited are not worthy. Go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out to the highways, and they gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, few are chosen. Okay, so when you read this parable and you hear this parable... there's some things that your mind just automatically just pops out and sees these things. But I want to talk to you today about the wedding garment. And this message is a little, I don't know, it's a little different for me. And so I'm going to throw it out there because I know this has to be for somebody because it, it, it just, man, the Holy Ghost is just pounding this thing in my head. So let's look at a few things. The first thing you see is that the kingdom of heaven is not a democracy. Are y'all with me? The kingdom of heaven is a theocracy. In other words, God's ruling. God sets the rules. But then here's where we get to take real joy because we've got a God who's a righteous God. Now, Have y'all noticed how crazy the world is today? It doesn't make any difference what you think is right. You can go on the internet, you know, which is truth of everything. And you can find absolutely the opposite of what Someone else said, and they've got it all proved out, right? I mean, how many times have we been through all the stuff? Oh, gosh, don't drink coffee. Coffee's horrible. Now, oh, well, a cup of coffee is good for you. Oh, don't eat eggs. Eggs, can get, oh, no, you need to eat eggs. You know, butter, don't eat butter. No, no, butter's good. You know, you need butter. So it just goes around. It's hard to find the truth. The one thing I take great joy in is to know that God knows what the truth is, and I can trust him that he's a righteous God, all right? Let me read you a few scriptures. Isaiah thirty-three twenty-two. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is a lawgiver. The Lord is our king and he will save us. He's our king. See, church, a lot of times I think that we forget that when you gave your life to Jesus, you came under the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God has a is set. God's ruling, and it's not up for debate. We don't get to vote of what we want to happen in heaven or how we want heaven to run. We can't all get together and say, look, let's go to God and say, we don't really like the way things are. We would like to change. He set the law. He's the lawgiver, and we become the subjects. Where problems arise is when we want to be the lawgivers And not the subjects. See, we don't like this. We Americans, especially us from Texas, we don't like to think anything's ruling over us. But listen to me. Listen to me. We can go anti-government. We can go anti-this, anti-that. We say, well, if they do this, we're going to do that. If they did this, we're going to do that. And then they do this, and boy, they're going to get to keep it hurting. And we can come up with all these scenarios. But in the kingdom of heaven, God's going to win. God's always going to win. And I'm glad he's going to win. And I'm glad he loves me. And I'm glad I'm on his side. Right? I mean, we're playing Red Rover. Man, God's going to win. Right? Okay. Let me read you another scripture. James 4.12. James says, there's one lawgiver who's able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? And he says, man, that's, look, we've got to come to the place in life where we resolve that we." trust God that he's right. You see, somebody comes to you and say, well, I don't know if I agree with that. I, that's, what, that's how the kingdom of heaven operates. There's no way around it. I'm sorry. That's what the word says. That's what he's going to do. That's, I, I, I don't know. I, I, he set the law. I didn't set the law. Okay? Revelation 20, 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. From whose face the earth and heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small, great, standing before God, and the books were open. And another book was on, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the book. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life is cast in the lake of fire. There's no argument about that. Here, I'm just telling you, there's no, you're not got, there's no excuse before God. Are you following me? He's, he said it. He laid it out. He put it forth and said, this is the way it's going to be. And it doesn't make any difference. He may disagree with it. But how many of us so many times have stopped and said, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why haven't you done this? Or why haven't you done this? Or where, why is this happening? And why did you let this happen? Or why is that going? We get in there and get to kind of like parlaying with him. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, I'm sure you didn't do that. God makes the rules. Right? I love this the, the 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 parable Jesus told in Matthew 20:15, where he talks about that he sent out all the servants, you know, and, and he 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 went by the marketplace and there was people standing out laborers, and so he hired those laborers. He said, oh, "How much do you want?" And they said, "We want, you know, dollar a day." And so he said, okay, go to the fields and work. And so they went out there working. They were happy. And then he went back in the next hour and hired another bunch. And so the next hour, another bunch, the next hour, and finally got down to the last hour of the day. He went and hired some more. So then when he started paying them, he started paying them from the one that only worked the shortest amount of time to the one that worked the longest. And they started noticing that he was paying them the same thing they agreed to. So when it comes down to the end, that's like, they're expecting more money. That guy only worked an hour and I worked eight. And God said, what are you talking about? Can I do it the way I want to? Didn't you agree with me for an hour? Right? And for eight dollars a day or whatever it was, a dollar an hour? Can't you didn't you agree with me for that? They said, Well, yeah, but you paid them more, so we expected more. You see how man is always trying to come in there and and contend with God that they have a better way of doing things than God does. That's what's wrong with the world today. Everybody's sitting around thinking that they know more than God knows. Nobody wants to just go to the Bible anymore, read the Bible, and whatever the Bible says, that's the truth because God is knowing, all-knowing, and he's smarter than everybody else. Nobody wants to do that. They want to say, well, but you know, that was this and that, and get around it. I want to tell you something. There's great peace that comes in your life when you start to realize that you are a subject of the kingdom of God and you want to be. And you're like, man, I serve the king and the king rules and I'm one of his subjects and all is OK because he's got a great kingdom. It's a kingdom of love. It's a kingdom of grace. It's a kingdom of mercy. It's a kingdom of righteousness. It's a kingdom of justice. And you can trust in it that he's going to be right. OK, so. The second thing I want you to see in this parable about Jesus in the with the, the marriage feast is that it says God has made a call out to all that will hear. He called out. He went out and told his servants to go out and say, I'm having a wedding. He made a call out. Listen, the call has gone out into the world. Hear me. The call has gone out into the world that Jesus Christ is Lord, and do you want to believe him or not? It's gone out. Now, Israel rejected it. But, you know, on the second time Jesus comes back, they're going to accept him. And Paul said, be real careful because don't get to grappling about the olive tree because it's you got grafted in the root. I've always said, just leave Israel alone. Pray for them. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem like the Bible tells us to do and leave them alone. Don't try to figure it out. Okay? But they didn't accept the call. But the call went out. The call went out over the whole world. The call is still out today. Amen. We're in this age that we call the dispensation of the age of grace, where right now that a man can accept Jesus Christ into his life freely, if he wants. The call has gone out. Right. So Romans ten one says, "Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for the God of Israel is that." They may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they are being ignorant of God's righteousness, seek to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law of righteousness for everyone who believes. So Paul said. Okay? So Israel is Israel. Pray for them. And watch what goes on in Israel. All right? Jesus told us he wants to talk about the, ends of the time, end of the world, the signs of the times, and all what's going on. Just watch the olive tree to see what's going on with Israel and what's happening. So every time I hear, you know, Iran's going to attack Israel, I get excited. Not that anybody would be hurt, and I don't want to see death, but I think, is this it? Is this the coming? Is this, you know? Anytime something goes crazy on the Temple Mount, you know, I hear, here's, here's something that has nothing to do with what I'm preaching. I thought it was very unusual. I read a story, an article on uh, Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, about uh, all the, uh, Israel, all the, the, the they were at the, Wailing, at the Wailing Wall, Western Wall there, and uh, a red fox ran across the top of the wall, and in their writings or whatever, that meant something about the sign of the Messiah's coming back that was a sign, and they all got excited about it. That morning, a fox, wasn't a red fox, runs right behind the wall here, runs right out through the bushes with a rat in its mouth taken off across the road, right here. And so I said, well, everything, you know, it always takes place in Jerusalem and utopia, you know, so the fox on the wall over here, we've got a fox out front. But, thank God, just go to Romans chapter 10, because they didn't accept the call, they didn't want the call, but then God says, I'm having a wedding and the house is going to be filled. Go find me some people. Right. We're having I'm putting on a wedding and everybody's going to show up. We're going to fill this house. If those don't want it, fine. Get this house full because the call is going out. You really need to grab this this morning about the call." Because listen to me, right now, whoever you're with, whoever your friends are, whoever your associates are, whoever's out there listening and watching the broadcast, your friends and associates out there, listen to me, there's a call going out for, for people to come to Jesus. It's like a sound that keeps reverberating and reverberating and reverberating. It's a call. But you're the one that has to make the introduction to the call. Your friends need to know the call's gone out. God wants to fill the wedding hall. And it's still time. There's still time to come. The door hasn't been closed. All right. But Romans chapter 10, verse eight says, but what do I say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart. One believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jews and Greeks. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the call's going out to fill the wedding hall. And now it got open to all the non-Jewish. Got open to every person on the face of this earth that if they will accept the call that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, confess it with their mouth and believe in it with their heart, they get to be wedding guests. Amen? They get to be wedding guests. Now, let me get down to the wedding garment. <clears throat> so it says that they, there was this guy in there, and you may feel sorry for him, You know, poor guy didn't have on a wedding garment, but that's not really the case. In that day and time, whenever you went to a wedding, you either brought your own wedding garment, which was something that was like a robe that you put on. Some people had their own personal robes that they decorated, and I'm sure, like anything, those that had maybe more money, you know, had a fancier wedding garment than the lower class people, but you had your wedding garment. But in this case, the king was giving a wedding. So therefore, he supplied the wedding garments because he's the king and he wants it to look right. Now, I, you know, y'all know my feelings about weddings. I love to see weddings. I love to see people get married. I love to see when it's all based in God and everything's good and happy. But I, I don't like to perform wedding ceremonies. And the reason why is because everybody wants the wedding to be perfect. No bride wants her wedding day spoil because of rain or because the caterer didn't get the right stuff or the tablecloths are the wrong color or the, you know, this and that, the band didn't show up or whatever. And so they get all wrapped up in it. And so I I feel like sometimes we lose what we're supposed to be focused on because we're trying to make the wedding perfect. Well, so in order for the king to make the wedding perfect, he's setting aside the wedding garments. He's going to say, everybody's going to be dressed in blue. And I got blue wedding garments, everybody, everybody's wearing blue because I want a blue congregation, (laughs) right, for the bride to come down. Now, how many of y'all ladies know it's very inappropriate, even in our tradition of weddings, to wear a white dress to a wedding? Do I have an amen on that? I mean, everybody knows that, right? Why? Can you imagine how goofy it would be if you went to a you know, a wedding, a high-end wedding or whatever, and you're all there and everybody's dressed and here comes the bride. And when everybody then else stands up, all the other ladies are standing there in a wedding dress too. Hi. <laughs> you don't do that, right? You dress appropriately. You don't do that. You don't wear a white dress because you're not wanting to be like the bride. That's just a given. You wouldn't just come and say, well, I want to wear the white dress. I like this white dress. I bought this. I got this white dress on sale, and it looks good on me. And by God, I want to wear it out there, and I don't care what anybody else is saying. You wouldn't do that. Your husband would say, sweetie, you need to get a different dress. Are you following me? That's what the guy did. The guy went into there wearing his wedding garment. Or he didn't have on one at all. It's kind of iffy there in the the reading. It says he didn't have on a wedding garment, but he didn't have on the right wedding garment. There's some debate about that, but give me this one. Let's say he wore his own wedding garment, one that was all floral and fancy. And This is it because he's trying to show his pomp of who he is. And so everybody else is dressed in blue and he's got on pink. (laughs) And the king walks in and looks at it and says, what in the world is this guy doing? Why didn't he take one of my wedding garments and the servants tell he did not want to put it on. We tried to get that thing off him, but he wouldn't do it. We wrestled him around out there and he fought and cussed and kicked and spit. And he said, man, by God, I'm wearing this one. I want to wear this one. So he wanted the benefits of the wedding. Hello? He wanted to go eat the free food, and drink the free drink. But he didn't want to get and really be a part of the wedding. He just wanted the benefits. Oh, how many Christians were out there today? They're sitting around wearing their own wedding garment. They don't want to put on the wedding garment that the king wants. They don't want to do it the way the king does. What in the world do we got going on with the churches today that are taking the word of God and making it twisted around to mean what they want it to mean? Because that's how they want to have church. You can't do that. That's going into the wedding in your own wedding garment. It's not right. It does not honor the king. Are you with me? It's the king's wedding. You better put on his garment. Now, Revelation nineteen six. It says, I heard as it, I heard as it were the voice of the great multitude and the sound of many waters and the sound of the mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Now, folks, you got to understand something. Okay. The moment you got saved, the moment you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you were given a robe of righteousness. You may not see it. You may not, you know, you didn't, you didn't get it physically. But spiritually speaking, you got robed in a robe of righteousness. A robe saying that you were right before God. You got the, the wedding garment placed on you. Okay? Now I want you to just think about this. So we're in a period... We're at the wedding. The groom hasn't showed up because not all the bride's there. The bride is the body of believers. And until God says, okay, the dispensation of the age of grace is over with, what we're doing is we're all gathering in the hall in our robe of righteousness, sitting, waiting for the wedding, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, the marriage supper of the Lamb is not going to take place until Jesus comes back. Or the rapture of the church, we'll put it that way. The rapture of the church takes place, or however that works out. I don't even want to get into all that theology. <laughs> however, we all end up in heaven, right? The first thing that's going to take place is a marriage supper. Then it's completed because the body of Christ then can be married to Jesus. But right now... At this moment of time in this dispensation of the age of grace, you're sitting in the banquet hall in your robe of righteousness. We're waiting for the groom. All of creation, the Bible says, is waiting for the groom to come. So can you imagine, and this is what happens to us. How many of you have ever been to a wedding and things get delayed? And then everybody starts doing this. Right. Things get delayed. Everybody gets because <laughs> they're the where's the bride and the groom. Mainly because everybody just wants to eat. <laughs> they ought to turn weddings completely around feed everybody first and all the guests would be happy and, and full of cheer and then do the wedding at the end. But so that's where you get antsy. That's why you're wanting God to move. That's why you want God to show up because you're sitting at the wedding in your garment, but we're in hold. We're in pause. We're in patient endurance until he comes through the door and all the bride has been gathered because right now he's trying to get as many wedding garments on as many people as he possibly can before the deadline. I don't know when the deadline is. I don't know. I thought it was... 20 years ago, okay? So, I mean, I don't know. But when I look across y'all's faces at some of y'all that I know came to Christ not too long ago, well, I'm glad it wasn't 20 years ago. So, God's gracious. So, he's trying to fill the banquet hall. They're still out there. The call is still going out. He's trying to fill the banquet hall. He's trying to get as many people in. He's supplying the garments, the robes of righteousness for all those who want to come in, but he's not going to tolerate those who want to come in and do it their way because it's not a democracy. He's God and he's in charge. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks herself for the ornaments, as the bride or done. Hard d'oeuvres. <laughs> a, see, I got food on the brain now. <laughs> Adorns herself with jewels. Okay? Are y'all following me here? We got to keep this mindset. The call's gone out, it's out there to every person to believe in Jesus. The call is gone. Come to the banquet, come to the wedding feast. I will supply the garment. You got to do it my way. The call's out. It's going out everywhere. Now, let me just talk to you about this for a second, about your wedding garment, your robe of righteousness. In heaven right now, the Bible talks about there's a great cloud of witnesses. Your prayers are ascending up. The perspective from heaven is those that are in heaven are seeing heaven and all the glory of God and greatness, but then they're able to see Earth and what's going on. So they're focusing and functioning on two planes, heaven and earth. We, on the other hand, are stuck on earth and we don't get to see into heaven like Stephen did until he was being stoned to death and looked up to heaven and said, I see Jesus sitting at the right hand, standing at the right hand of the throne of God, right? It's not as easy for us in the sense that we're here on this earth and we're not really understanding what's going on in heaven, totally. We know what the Word says, and we by faith believe it and we trust it, but I'm saying there's no big open visual picture. But you got to catch today the revelation that you have been clothed with the wedding garment of righteousness that right now in heaven, your names are written in the Lamb's book of life, and you have been clothed in the in the garment of righteousness, and that you belong at the banquet, and you have rights and privileges. Because let me explain this to you. Now I know that you can say you, you could disagree with this with me because uh, you know, um, well, you can disagree with anything, but. Because things don't happen in the world today like they should. Let me just put that away. But when I, in my world, if you've proposed, you found the woman of your dreams. I found my sweetie. She's everything. And I love her. And she means everything to me. And I propose to her and I say, I want to spend the rest of my life with you because I love you. You are the, the dream of my life. And she says, oh... You are my knight in shining armor. I love you. You're so amazing. Yes, I'll marry you. At that moment, we may not be legally married, but she becomes my (laughs) fiancé. Right? She is my fiancé, and all of a sudden, technically... Everything that I have is hers, and everything she's got is mine. I mean, we're as if we're married. We just haven't gone through the ceremony yet. But she's my fiance. If she comes to me and says, "Look, I need, I need some money," I'm going to give her the money because she's my fiance, right? We're love. We're in love with each other. We are going to be married, but we're in this trial. this not trial. We're in this. This. No, that's not what I meant. No, no. <laughs> Edit that. We're in this period, right? This period between saying yes and becoming my fiance to being man and wife. You follow me? We're in this period. We're in this pathway, this gate, this, this whatever the word is. Y'all following me here? You got me all messed up now. <laughs> Right? We're in this period of time here between proposal and acceptance, becoming a fiance, and then marriage. That's where you are today. You are sitting in the marriage supper of the Lamb. You are sitting in the banquet hall with your robe of righteousness on as a fiance to Jesus who is going to come, and then the wedding is done, and we're all... Get married to Jesus because we're the bride. The church is the bride. You're in that period. And you're on earth and you're separated from him, but you're still his fiance. Are y'all hearing this? He's given you, you already put on the robe of righteousness. So as a fiance, you have rights and privileges. Because you're going to marry the king. Now think about that. The closest we can even come to any of this, and I don't study it much, but you know the 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 wedding, the the royals, the the the, the princes getting married, and it's all a big deal. And everybody, you know, in, in England, there that's a that's a huge thing, huge thing, right? And we're like, yeah, <laughs> right. You may look at it a little bit, but to I mean, you know, it's a big thing. Them, but what I'm saying is, you can't tell me that after the proposal was made for either one of the princes that have just recently gotten married, when the proposal was made and they were said yes, that there wasn't rights and privileges that were already given to the fiance. I mean, she went about saying, oh, "Well, I'd like the wedding to be like this, and I would like, you know, I want tea and crumpets, and I want, you know, whatever." Set fish sticks, tea. <laughs> Don't y'all know I'm gonna be a hit when I get to London. <laughs> Are y'all with me? She started coordinating the wedding. Things were going on. There was there were rights and privileges entrusted to her because she was the fiance. What I'm trying to tell you is you're in that period. This is where you've been since the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You put on the the garment and you became the bride-to-be of the Son of God. You tell me that doesn't carry some weight? But because there's been a delay, because we've had to have patience, a lot of people have kind of given up. They already started eating the crackers, right? Right? playing with their fork and their place settings. And I'm telling you, we're not supposed to be there. We're supposed to be waiting patiently, realizing who we are in Christ, that the robe of righteousness is on earth, and as long as we're on this earth, we've got to walk knowing that the king is to be our husband. And those rights and privileges, folks, are huge. They're huge. And we let the enemy come in and talk us out of it. We let the enemy come in and say, oh, he's not going to show up. Instead of us turning and saying, you don't know my Jesus. Oh, he loves me. He says, I'm the apple of his eye. He says, I'm his favorite. We start letting ourselves get talked out of it. We start going and think about taking the garment off and going on out. We got to go to work. Got to go back to the fields. Got to go do this, got to do that, when we forget what the whole thing's about. We forget that we've been called to the great banquet. We've been called to put on that robe of righteousness and wear it proudly because we're going to be married to the king. Let me read you another story. Zechariah chapter 10. No, no. Zechariah chapter 3. I don't know where I got that. Zechariah 3, 1. There's a beautiful picture here of this wedding garment I'm talking about. Now, I preached off Zechariah 3, 1, Wednesday night, a completely different message. You may want to go and go to the website and listen to it. But it says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, and he was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. This scene here taking place in heaven, I want you all to picture this. There's Joshua, the high priest. Israel had been taken into captivity. They're coming out of the captivity from Babylon back to rebuild Jerusalem. Zechariah is one of the prophets, and Joshua is the high priest. And that's his job. But he's never been a high priest in the temple because they've been in captivity in Babylon the whole time. He's never been a high priest functioning like the high priest was in the days of Solomon and, 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 and David and Moses and all those. And so he's standing before the Lord. This vision comes up, and there's Joshua standing before the Lord. And he's got on filthy garments. So I say he's standing before the Lord, you know, kind of his head hung down like, Oh, God, I'm, I'm not much. I got on filthy garments. And the devil stand right beside him to oppose him. So the devil's got his, you know, I I see it like this. I doubt it was like this, but I see it like this. He's got a legal pad with stuff written all over it. Sheets flipping out. He's flipping through the pages. He's all ready to just lay it on Joshua, tell Jesus why Joshua's no good. He's sorry. He did this. They did that. tonight. He's unclean. La, 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 la. He's flipping through his notes about to give his, his, oration of Joshua's weakness, and the Lord just looks at him and says, hey, Satan, I rebuke you. He just looks at him and says, hey, shut up. Get out of here. Right? Joshua's just standing there. I bet he raised his head up then, because I mean, his accuser just got blown away. Listen to me, folks. Quit listening to your accuser. The Lord's already rebuked him. Quit listening to his garbage coming into your life, trying to pull you down, trying to tell you you're not righteous, trying to tell you you're not doing good. Listen, you may make mistakes, but keep your robe on and stay in the wedding banquet and you're okay. Then Jesus says this. I love this. He says, he's pointing at Joshua. and He says, is this not a brand Plot from the fire? In other words, yeah, he would have burned up, but this guy's special. I plucked him. He's a brand I plucked right out of the fire. That's you. That's you. That's all of you out there listening and watching today. That's you that have given your hearts to Jesus already and sitting in the garment. He said, man, you're a brand plucked out of the fire. He said, yeah, the fire would have burned you up, but I plucked you out. I pulled you out. You're a brand that's been plucked out of the fire. He said, The fire can't touch you. The devil can't oppose you. I rebuked him. Sit there with your wedding garment on in the banquet hall and rest in me. For my yoke is easy and my burdens light. But what do we do? Oh. oh, oh. Chewing our fingernails off, wringing our hands, trying to figure out how we're going to rebuke the devil. When the Lord says, Shut up, devil. Get out of here! This is a brand I plucked out of the fire. Let me tell you something, folks. You don't know how special you are. You don't realize it. You don't let you 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 let the devil talk you out of it. You let people talk you out of it. You think because you're not on GQ magazine, you're not special. It's like the other day I walked in a department store. I do this very rarely. And it really wasn't a department store. It was this store that I hate that I always tell you about that I never have told you what the name of it is. Uh, It's that place. And I walked in there, and they had this mannequin of this, uh, uh, you know, male figure, like with six-pack abs, you know, ripped, 19-inch guns on him, showing this shirt off. And I'm like, really? You think that's going to make me want to buy that shirt? I just want to kick the mannequin over. (laughs) All that does is anger me. That doesn't... What fool would walk in there and say, oh, you mean if I buy that shirt, I'll look like that? <laughs> You're going to stretch that thing over me. You know, I look just like a pot-bellied man out on the beach, you know? <laughs> I mean, there, there's a six-pack abs in there somewhere, you know, <laughs> hidden behind the keg. <laughs> Hello? But, you know, it's like, what is the world thinking? That's the way you should look? Why don't they put a mannequin up that looks like the real people? Yeah. Then you'd walk in and say, oh, that didn't very flattering or her." Oh, man, that made them look a lot better. I think I want that. You know, no, no, no. They're going to put this. They're going to put this imagery up so that the world starts telling you you're not good enough because you don't have 19 inch guns. You don't have a six pack ab. Hello? So the world says you're not good enough because you're not educated enough. You're not smart enough. You're not rich enough. You don't have the right car. You don't have the right deal. You weren't born at the right time. You weren't this. You weren't that. And so you're not good enough. And so the devil just hammers you and hammers you. When God says, I plucked you from the fire. I called you in here. I put a robe of righteousness on you. You're in my banquet hall. You're the apple of my eye. And I want to marry you. Amen. Are you hearing me, church? And we let the devil talk us out of it. We we'll let him talk us out of it and say that we're not special. We're not jewels. We're not jewels. You're just trap rock. For those of you that don't know what trap rock is, it's the little black stone out on the road that we drive on. So that brings us to our job. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. And I'm finishing this up. 2 Corinthians five fourteen. Have y'all ever been to a? I don't know. It could be like a, an event of some sort where you know they put a wristband on you, right? And so then you just you, you go and you got a wristband and you just you know they just see the wristband on so you get all the privileges of whatever the, your wristband does for you, right? And I don't know. Sometimes I wonder. You know they may have. Special wristbands to get you more stuff. But let's say everybody's got the same kind of wristband on. So everything in there is for you because you have a wristband on, right? And so, you know, you if you have a long sleeve shirt, you're walking, somebody may say, ah, and you just go, and then, oh, yes, come on, insert right? <laughs> Y'all with me? That wristband starts getting you everything you want. Now, can you imagine walking around in the courts of heaven? You're on earth, but you're still in the courts of heaven because you have on a robe of righteousness and what that does for you. To be walking along in the wedding garment in heaven, being able to walk into the throne room boldly in your wedding garment, say, hey, hello, daddy, father. Remember me, I'm the fiance. See us men, sometimes we have a hard time relating to this, but just go with it. I'm going to be married. I'm going to be married to your son. Hello? You're following me here. And you got on the robe, it's a whole lot better than the wristband. And that's your position, forgiven, holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight before the Lord, because you got on the wedding garment? Not because you're something. Not because you're special. But because you have on the wedding garment, and he loves you so much, he wants to spend eternity with you. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, for the love of Christ compels us. That's what compels us, the love that Jesus has for us. But folks, he did not leave us. We were the brand that got plucked out of the fire. I am so glad that he didn't say, ah, Robert, ah, forget him. I'm so glad that the call went out to anyone who would accept it, and I got to accept it, and I got to get in with a robe of righteousness, that I got to be the brand plucked out of the fire. The love of Christ compels me because the love of Christ, I understand that I'm in the banquet hall. I'm in. I can relax. Woo! You say, well, what about this earth? We're down here on this earth and everything, you got all these problems and all this stuff going on here and there. I don't know. I just know that my fiance will take care of it. And I know you don't want to get any mad because he really loves me. And in the parable, those that wouldn't come well, let's just take the dude that didn't have on the, the proper wedding garment. and said bind, bandit, bind him, hand and foot, and throw him out there and cast him out outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth can't be good. I don't know what it is, but it cannot be good. Hello? The, the, the ones that didn't, he said, he said, go there and burn the whole city down. Send the army out, burn the whole city to the ground. You don't want to make my fiance mad. Are you with me? Well, I don't know if that was fair. What if there was somebody in that city? You just better remember it's a kingdom and God's in charge and he ain't going to do nothing that wasn't righteous. And so you might as well get over that. Quit trying to think that you're smart enough to compete with him. The love of Christ compels us. We begin to be compelled because we see and we have a revelation and understanding of this banquet we're in. This, this amazing, amazing love of God, it's not something that's, it's, it's real. It's not just a fairy tale. It's not just a story to keep you happy. No, it's real that we're affecting things going on in heaven because we're robed in his righteousness. Because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who should live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. Because we entered into the kingdom, we're not living for ourselves. The moment you take off that robe and try to do it yourself, you're on your own and you're going to fail. You keep on the robe. You keep staying there saying, well, Lord, you said your load's easy and your burden's light. and So I'm just going to stay with you, Jesus. I just think you're going to take care of it. And and I'm just a part of the wedding guest. And you're going to take care of your fiance because I'm special and you love me. I'm the ample of your eye. Woo, Lord. Come on, Jesus. And then all of a sudden, God starts moving on your behalf. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's is a new, cre- new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. He's saying, I'm not looking at you as Johnny. I'm looking at you as Jesus' fiance. I'm not looking at you as Frankie. I'm looking at you as... The one who's wearing the robe of righteousness, who's going to get married to Jesus. He says, when you start doing that, everything starts looking different because now you start realizing that we're all wedding guests. We're all in the in the banquet hall. We've all got everything that that heaven is for us. Our 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 fiance Jesus, it wants to provide everything for us. He's wanting us to be happy. I mean, you would be crazy. If you, you sent up to, your, to the groom, the, the bride sent up to the groom and said, hey, I, I was needing some water down here. And he sent back, I know, get it yourself. <laughs> Hello? There's a big red light going on, big red flag, Woo, warning signs going on. Something right here. Are y'all with me? Now, I, I'll say this and I'll probably get, somebody will throw something at me. But I think the bride on wedding days gets pampered more than the groom. It just seems like the bride just flips her hand and people run. The groom, yeah, you're fending for yourself. Somebody may be there. Your best man may be there to help you a little bit. But the bride, she gets about anything she wants. You're in that position. You're in that position as the bride. Now, you're marrying the king who paves streets in gold. Do you think that if you need a little extra to get what you want, that he's going to fork it up or say, listen, I think budget's pretty tight. Do you think the budget in heaven is tight? Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That it is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Our job is to go in our robe of righteousness and say, Hey, there's a great banquet going on over here. If you want to come over to the banquet, come on. The call's going out. You can accept it. One rule. Jesus rules. You got to get right with him. Our job is to be pronouncing the call to be his ambassadors on this earth, walking around saying, man, you cannot believe the deal I got. I was a sinner headed to hell, didn't stand a chance. And then I was a brand plucked from the fire. God pulled me out, brought me over here. Look at this robe he gave me, said I'm everything. He's going to marry me. Woo! I get to be an inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. I get to, whoo, man, I get to have everything. I'm Man, it even says I get to sit with him at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you hear what I'm saying to you, church? We don't, we can't, our minds get poof, <laughs> Blown. But there was a girl somewhere out there in life, over in England, or wherever she was from, which is the first one that got married over there to the royal? Middleton? Wasn't that her name? Is that right? I don't even know where I came up with that. Just kind of pulled it out. So if that's right, y'all tell me yes. If not, if you're listening to this, please forgive me. Kate Middleton, right? So she was a girl out there somewhere. Did I mean, maybe she dreamed one day she'd marry a prince? But then all of a sudden, one day, however that happened, and they fell in love and whatever, la, 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 boom, choose was a princess. You follow me? One day you were just out there stumbling through life, happened to be at the right place at the right time, met Jesus. said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I do. When are we going to get married? Well, when I get back. Got some business to take care of. Right now, take my robe, and you're my fiancé. Anything you need, let me know. The word I want to leave you with right now is a vestment. A vestment, according to Webster's Dictionary, is an outer garment, especially a robe for a ceremony or an office. A vestment. You need to take your vestment and grab hold of the investment Jesus gave you. How about that? <laughs> and go out there in life and be his ambassador. Be the one telling everyone around you, look, it's really not that difficult. You don't have to live the life of hell you're doing. Just accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. I don't want to do that. I don't like that robe. Don't want to put it on. Okay, but well then you can go out there where there's weeping and gnashing teeth. Yeah. I don't make the rules, that so just preach them. Hello? That's our job. To take on that vestment, that garment, and wear it proudly. Amen. To take that vestment and, 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 and realize what authority you're wielding. Hallelujah. You are the bride-to-be. You are the, in that period of time of waiting from the time the proposal has been made to the wedding date. Amen. I don't know when it is, but I know it's coming. I wish I could tell you it was tomorrow or this afternoon, but it's not. Or Might be, I guess. I don't know. I had tomorrow and this afternoon hadn't got here yet. I can tell you it hadn't happened because I'm still here. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying, church? Amen? Amen? So put your Bibles up. Laura, come play something pretty. And stand up if you would. Let me have my prayer team come down, please. If you're out there watching or listening by audio today, I just want you to know, man, Jesus loves you. He paid the price for you. The call has gone out. If you're out there listening or watching and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, you've never committed your life to Him, well, then wherever you are, stop what you're doing and ask Him to come into your life. Asking to forgive you of your sins. Just pray and say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. And he will. Right there, just give your life to Christ. If you're in here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, you're not sure that you've got on the wedding garment. Then we have prayer team right up here now i know that the devil will stand right beside you and say you know oh gosh you 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 don't do that because that's embarrassing go up in front of the church but listen to me you'd be crazy to walk out those doors today after hearing this message and if you don't think you're right with jesus you need to come up here and pray with one of these people and ask him to come into your life if you've got a friend standing around you there just Grab your friend and say, hey, come with me. Because it would be the biggest mistake in life to walk out the doors and not know you're right with Jesus. Yeah, you can just ask him to come into your heart right there. But there's something about making a public commitment to Jesus. There's something about stepping out and saying, "Lord, if you are dying for me, I'm living for you." And stepping out of your chair and coming and saying, "Lord, I want to be I want to get right with you." There's something about happens in your life and in your soul by making a public commitment. Maybe today you've just never realized about the wedding garment. You've just never really realized that you are his fiance. That you've been clothed in that wedding garment. Maybe that's a new revelation to you today. And you've kind of just been struggling and waiting for him to come. Well, listen to me. I want to pray for you. I want to pray today that you'll grab hold of that revelation and that it'll change your life. That you'll start realizing that he is the king and you are going to marry him. And you are clothed in his righteous garment. And take that authority that's yours and wear it proudly. Take your vestment and put it on say, man, I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. So if that's you, I just want everybody to bow your heads and I'm going to pray for you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for everyone out there listening and watching, everyone in here today, Lord, that they would grab hold of their vestments, put on their vestments, their robes of righteousness. Realize that they are the bride of Christ. And that today is the day that they understand and have a revelation and get excited about waiting patiently for you, Lord. Waiting patiently for you in the banquet hall, clothed in that robe of righteousness. Lord, let the revelation be so great that it changes their life, that today there's an impartation of your spirit within them that sets them apart, sets them apart. Jesus, we love you and we declare that it is your love that compels us to go and tell others. Lord, I pray that we would realize that we're a brand plucked from the fire. And that we would get on fire for you and tell all of those around us this good news about the call going out to the banquet hall. Lord, we want to be your ambassadors. So grace us, Lord, with the ability to shine forth Jesus everywhere we go. Now, Lord, I just declare over this congregation today that they are blessed. I declare, Lord God, that as we go out into this world, that we're going to bless everyone around us. And I declare today, Lord God, that our lives are forever changed to be more like you. So, Lord, bless them now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Church, we're up here to pray for you. If you have any other need that needs prayer, we'll pray for you. God bless you and wear your vestments proudly. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.